Welcome to Success the Last, a podcast that honestly explores the complicated topic of success. I'm your host, Jared Siegel. I'm a partner at DeLap and leader of our wealth advisory practice. During each episode, we're going to talk to a business owner, entrepreneur, real estate investor, or industry thought leader about their own experiences, insights, and observations as it pertains to life, business, finances, and ultimately fulfillment. Candidly, it can be lonely at the top. Our desire is to use this podcast to connect you with the ideas and resources so you can be better equipped to make more predictable, profitable, and rewarding decisions as you juggle the competing priorities of life, business, and money. Keep in mind, this is a podcast. It's not meant to be a replacement for your CPA or financial advisor, so be sure to check with the appropriate professionals before implementing any of the ideas. Welcome back to another episode of Success That Lasts. Have you ever noticed that pessimism isn't just more common than optimism? It also sounds smarter. It's intellectually engaging, and it's promoted by the financial media significantly more than an optimist who is often viewed as oblivious and ignorant of risks. Now, as much as ever, we're reminded that we live in an ever-changing and unpredictable world. We're still processing a global pandemic, supply chain disruptions, inflations, even invasions of countries abroad. Many investors are asking, is now a good time to invest? That question, though rational to ask, presupposes that someone could actually consistently, accurately, and reliably answer that question. But how accurate is that presupposition? A study by Morningstar found that as a whole, more than 50% of active stock and bond picking managers that are making financial and investment decisions based upon their reading of the economic tea leaves don't actually put their own money in the funds that they're actually managing. I believe in part that's because that they know that they're merely guessing about the future. They don't want to gamble with their money when they can gamble with yours. The unpopular reality is there's no way to reliably predict what the market's going to do. We can't predict top performers in the stock market. Research shows this. We know that broad diversification helps reduce unnecessary risk associated with the exposures of a single stock, specific sector, country, or any other investment. However, millions upon millions of investors refuse to accept this evidence. In 2017, the Wall Street Journal actually published the results of a 15-year study that found that 92% of active stock-picking managers, managers that looked at the economic predictors and made investment decisions based upon their conclusions, actually underperformed their benchmark net of their fees. This is merely one of the countless studies that supports Nobel laureate Gene Fama in his groundbreaking research about the overall market efficiency that he first published back in the 1970s. Subsequently, countless other Nobel laureates have actually affirmed these findings. For example, Nobel laureate Bill Sharp once described the arithmetic of the market as a zero-sum game. Sharp's observations were that at any given time, the market consists of the cumulative holdings of all investors and that the aggregate market return is equal to the asset-weighted returns of all market participants. Since the market return represents the average return of all investors, for each position that outperforms the market, there must be a position that underperforms the market by the same amount, such that, in aggregate, the excess return of all invested assets equals zero. If stock picking doesn't work, and economic predictions don't work, the opposite of that would be owning every stock, all of them, the good ones, and the bad ones, holding them during good times and bad times. Now, if we played out that strategy, how would it work? Well, if you owned all stocks globally 
For the 26-year period from 1994 through 2020, the total return would have averaged at about 8.2%. However, if you excluded just the top 10% of the performers each year, you would have earned only 3.6% per year. That's a decrease of about 56%. Now, if you excluded the top 25% of performers each year, your return actually drops to negative 4.7%. The probability of being able to predict good performance in advance consistently is minuscule. The very best way to reduce your investment risk is diversification. Morgan Housel points out in his book, The Psychology of Money, that 40% of the U.S. stocks in the Russell 3000, that's all of the stocks that are publicly traded in the United States, have lost 70% of their value and never recovered. Effectively, all of the returns from the Russell 3000 have come from about 7% of the component companies that have outperformed by at least two standard deviations. Long tails drive returns. Trying to predict investment returns is like flipping a coin. The probability of continually and consistently making accurate predictions is impossible. Investors who diversify their portfolios are protecting wealth, and they're a step closer to becoming financially unbreakable. Warren Buffett is generally respected as a savvy investor. He said that when trillions of dollars are managed by Wall Streeters charging high fees, it will usually be the managers who reap the outsized profits, not the clients. Warren Buffett is generally respected as a savvy and accomplished investor. So let's conclude this episode with an article that he wrote back in 1984 that likened stock pickers to professional coin flippers. In the article, Buffett says, I would like you to imagine a national coin flipping contest. Let's assume we get 225 million Americans up tomorrow morning and we ask them to wager a dollar. They go out in the morning at sunrise and they call a coin flip. If they call it correctly, they win a dollar from those that guessed wrong. Each day, the losers drop out, and on the subsequent day, the stakes build as all previous winnings are all put on the line. After 10 flips and 10 mornings, there's approximately 220,000 people in the United States who have correctly guessed 10 flips in a row. They each now have won a little over $1,000. Now, this group will start getting a little bit puffed up about this, human nature being what it is. They may try to be modest, but at cocktail parties, they'll occasionally admit to attractive members of the opposite sex what their technique is and what marvelous insights they bring to the field of flipping. Assuming that the winners are getting the appropriate rewards from the losers, in another 10 days, we'll have about 215 who have successfully called their coin flips 20 times in a row and who, by this exercise, have turned $1 into a little over a million. $225 million would have been lost, but $225 million would have been won. By then, this group will really lose their heads. They'll probably write books on how I turned a dollar into a million in 20 days working 30 seconds a morning. Worse yet, they'll probably start jetting around the country, attending seminars on efficient coin flipping and tackling skeptical professors with, if this can't be done, why are there 215 of us that did it? Buffett's point is this. Predicting a coin toss accurately has nothing to do with skill. And much like those coin flippers, an active stock picker or market timer who's attempting to accurately predict the future, it has nothing to do with their skill. I think Buffett summed it up really nicely in his 1996 Berkshire Hathaway chairman's letter when he said, most investors, both institutional and individual, will find that the best way to own common stock is through an index fund that charges minimal fees. Those following this path 
are sure to be the net results after fees and expenses delivered by the vast majority of investment professionals. So in conclusion, when it comes to your wealth, don't pursue a coin flipping approach. Rather, embrace five decades of peer-reviewed financial science and really leverage the power of planning, not predictions, to support your long-term financial and life goals. A key tenet of long-term investing is having discipline, not only in the good times, but in the difficult periods as well. History tells us that the markets have rewarded investors willing to tune out the noise and stick to their plan. As always, thanks for tuning in. We'll be back with another new episode shortly. So until then, be well.